Welcome everyone to the 209 Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Urbano, and I hope that you're having a great day. And before we get started with today's episode, if you haven't yet followed us on social media, please give the podcast a follow. You can find it at the 209 Journey on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, I invite you to go subscribe to our new YouTube channel. You can find it by just searching for the 209 Journey. At this point, I have almost completed uploading most of the podcast episodes that we've had here, but I do plan on doing some video content on there. So you'll definitely want to make sure you're subscribed so you find out when those videos get posted. I also want to do live shows. So you'll be the first to find out when a live show happens if you are subscribed. So let's go ahead and get started with episode 26 of the 209 Journey podcast. So on the show today is Carolyn Kendrick. She is a musician, producer, and audio engineer who's performed in bands and also has a solo career. She's also the lead producer and engineer for two podcasts, You Are Good and You Are Wrong About. Her newest single, Break of Day, just released last year in November. So I definitely invite you to go listen to the new single and also to the rest of her songs wherever you listen to music. I know one of the places that I enjoy listening to music in is Spotify, so definitely go give her a follow. So welcome to the show, Carolyn. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being on. Uh, I'm really impressed by the career that you've had so <laughs> far, and you're also doing podcasts and all that. And I just I get really happy when I hear that anyone in the 209 is involved with any podcast whatsoever. So yeah absolutely yeah um well i mean it's kind of a you know it's perfect that we ended up uh, meeting in this way you know <laughs> yeah oh, shout out to instagram shout out to the the stockton instagram page i, I mm-hmm. might be thinking of the wrong name i think it's just stockton ca I think right it's just stockton ca yeah <laughs> yeah yeah shout out to them that's how i found out about you and uh, the instagram takeover which is mm-hmm. really amazing and i don't know who made that instagram page but i mean shout out to them for doing that for the mm-hmm. city and highlighting different people from Stockton. Yeah, totally. It's a really cool um it's a really cool thing that they do for those who are unfamiliar um every weekend the Stockton, you know, it's basically like the city of Stockton Instagram. Um every weekend like one person from the city of Stockton takes over and goes to different uh you know, restaurants and venues and you know, you know, public places that they love and uh, that's how we met is that uh, I, you know, on the internet <laughs> is when I was doing my takeover. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad we started talking Stockton because uh, I know that you got to Stockton when you're really little, right? And mm-hmm. I'm sure most of your childhood is all about Stockton. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you graduated high school and you, you moved away. But just tell me more about what it was like growing up in Stockton. And now that you moved back last year, like all the changes that you've noticed. Totally. Well, I feel like I've kind of lived in Stockton in three very different phases of its existence. Um, So yeah, so I moved here when I was pretty little. My parents both work at uh, Delta. They work at Delta College and then also at University of the Pacific. And so the reason that we came here is is because my mom got a job working at the, uh, she's the head of music, um, music education at, at the university. So I, my parents are musicians. I, you know, lots of musicians in my family, like kind of my, my biggest community here in Stockton is, is, is musicians. 
And, you know, when, when we first moved here, it was, you know, in the mid nineties and like the economy was doing really well. And like, I think people still had like kind of a one, I, I mean, you know, I think it was like still sort of a, you know, smaller mid-sized city, but it was pre-financial crash. It was pre-2008, you know, like people weren't even thinking about the Forbes thing and all of that. And so I just had a really lovely time growing up here. And obviously like it's, you know, I've, I've written many songs about my childhood about like, you know, it's, it's, I just feel very thankful to have grown up in a place that felt so community oriented and like just the weather, like, you know, I have a song called blue skies forever. That's all about, you know, it's like, it's nice to live in a place where there's blue skies forever. (laughs) And uh, there's more to it than that, but that's like kind of the, the first idea. And yeah. So then, but then when I was in high school, I think I think Stockton really went through a big transition phase and obviously was kind of like working through all of these big societal and structural issues, you know, obviously with the housing crash and that, and I've been reflecting on this a lot more really just in the last couple of months um, since, since being back here, because, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you don't really think about like what it all means. And I was, you know, young and in high school and like I started high school in 2008. So I don't know, just, you know, all of these things that you think about that seemed like isolated incidents in the moment, you know, oh, like my friend has to move or, oh, like my friend, like their parents don't have jobs anymore. So like, we have to like figure things out, like everybody's kind of in this state of flux and that affects everything. You know, like, I think this, the city really like had a really hard time during that time, obviously, but the silver lining, if there is any, is that like, I, th- I think that like the community is so strongly knit and everybody is like so supportive of each other that after, you know, I moved away when I was 18, I went to college. Um, I've been kind of traveling for the last 10 years or so. And then a few things in my life have just changed and I've been wanting to get back to California. And so I, I moved back in um, September or October sometime in there of, of 2022. So I'm like recently back and it's just been amazing to see how vibrant and like strong the community feels now. And it's like very obviously built back better since, um, since those times. So, I mean, it's, it's just lovely to be back truly. Yeah. And I mean, there's a better space for creatives out there, right. Than it was in mm-hmm. the nineties and there's more yeah. venues now, right. To perform as, as you probably have noticed, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's more venues. There's like, more opportunities to meet people who are in other creative fields. There's like more cross-disciplinary things, you know, so like if you're in podcasting, it's a little bit easier to have conversations with, you know, somebody who's in music or if you're in music, it's like, you know, like I'm thinking of Hatch, for example, which I, I'm not super duper involved with, but like I'm, I know uh, some of the people who are involved from afar um, where it's all of these different disciplines and people are collaborating, you know, people who are artists and people who are musicians and people who are woodworkers and all of that. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see how that is blossoming right now. So I know you told me that your family, you know, we're also musicians and whatnot, but I want to know what was like the first instrument you played and Mm. like, do you remember what was like the first song you performed? Uh, Oh, well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, my parents, I just have like some of my first memories are, uh, from, you know, when I was like, you know, before we even lived here, I remember like 
getting up on the coffee table and like pretending to conduct my parents while we, (laughs) (laughs) while I sang like row, row, row your boat or whatever, you are my sunshine. And, um, but my first instrument was my, my dad's a a drummer. He's a jazz drummer. Um, his name's Brian Kendrick. Some people might know him. And, um, so I, I really started drumming a lot when I was younger. And then I, my parents also just were like looking around in Stockton when we first moved for like, they weren't necessarily looking for like, okay, like what's the best, what instrument should Carolyn start? But they were like, okay, like who's the best music teacher in Stockton? And I got, got hooked up with this woman named um, Judy Beausois. And um, she had this like very flourishing um, Suzuki violin program and also cello. Um, and so that was kind of the, my first like drums and violin were my, my first like real instruments. Well, that, that's really interesting. I mean, drums are really great. I mean, I, I've been around them for a while and it, it takes talent to to do that. I just have to say, even though, you know, some people might just look at it from afar and be like, oh, it's not too tough. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's not easy. <laughs> no, drums, drums are like kind of the hardest, well, one of the hardest um, roles to play in a band because like if you rush or if you miss the beat or if you like forget what you're doing, like everybody's going to notice. Whereas like, you know, like if I'm singing a song, I can just like fake the lyrics if I, (laughs) or I can, you know, I can just like pretend that I'm like doing something on purpose, but it's a lot harder to um, mess up gracefully on the drums. And I should say, I don't really play drums anymore, but, um, but I did play like all through high school. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Well, I I know that you also do songwriting and, I'm really curious to know, like, what what was that first song that you wrote and mm. kind of what was the inspiration behind that? Oh, yeah. I didn't really start. I started songwriting, like, really late for or what I would consider to be late um, in proportion to the rest of my musical life. I always really considered myself, like, like, I was always, you know, at first very interested in, like, learning how to improvise and, like, learning how to be very athletic, like, with, you know, m- like what with what I'm playing on my instrument and so it wasn't until I was in college and I was in I guess I I guess I was like I guess I took a songwriting class like my second um semester of college and just kind of like because I like needed a um like a it was just like an elective I just like needed another credit and but I went to a music I went to a music college I went to Berkeley College of Music and so like I was like really focused on all of this other stuff. And then I just, I don't know, just like kind of randomly signed up for this. And I didn't really super duper gel with my teacher. Like we had very different philosophies about like what the purpose of a song is. And that was much more um, geared towards people who were going to be writing songs like commercially, you know, like, okay, like I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to write songs for whatever Reba McIntyre, or like, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to write songs for Dua Lipa. Like that was the kind of songwriting that that class was particularly focused on because they're trying to like get, they're trying to understand. I think that's like, it was the right thing to do. They're trying to think like, okay, like you're choosing to be a musician. This is like an infamously difficult career path to take. What are the ways that you're going to be strategic about you know, being competitive, uh, financially, like as you, as you grow into adulthood, but like, I didn't really care about that, which is like, (laughs) you know, like it kind of just kind of ended up becoming a rub because like at the end of the day, she would be like, well, I like your song, but I think you should change this and this and this, because it would like appeal to bigger markets. And I'd be like, well, I don't really care. I don't like, that's not, I don't care about bigger markets. I care about writing a song that I care about. 
And so after that, it was like another few years until I was, I was in a band called the page turners for, for a while. Um, and we were, we were just a duo. And so it was kind of when I got into that band that I was like, Oh, I don't really want to just only be playing covers. I don't want to just like, I really want to be vamping up our original music. And when you're a duo, there's only so many things. I felt like I was kind of limited in terms of what we could do musically, just instrumentally. Like I felt like, I don't know, just, I wanted to be singing more. I wanted to be doing more songs. So that's really when I started songwriting in earnest. And that was maybe in like 2016 or so. So it's been a newer thing, but now I would like kind of primarily identify as a songwriter. I feel like that's like sort of my main mode of expression these days. Well, I mean, it, it's been a while now, right? I think six, seven years of, of doing yeah. that. And mm-hmm. not that many people could say, oh, I wrote, I write songs, you know, I've actually like sang them. I think a lot of people maybe write songs, but they're like, I don't think I want to sing. <laughs> totally. And I will say the first like four-ish years of, I mean, like I wrote some songs that I was like, okay with, but for the first few years, but like, I don't know. It was, it was a long process of getting to the point where I felt like, like I, even just, even now I'm just now kind of like getting into the groove of like what my voice is and what I'm interested in writing about. Like it's, it's just kind of a long process. You said you wrote some songs that are kind of inspired by like your childhood, right? I'm sure like Stockton wise, but what, what are some of those that are like mm-hmm. relatable to those moments here? Yeah, totally. Well, I guess really, I mean, specific, I, well, I re- recently wrote a song called San Joaquin Valley, actually, um, that I haven't recorded yet. I'm really excited to record it um, for my next album, which is like sort of in the works right now. But the opening lyrics are, um, let me say, growing up in a valley, you get used to living in the shadows. And the only way out is up with mountains all around. And I think like that first idea was like, okay, when I, when I was living here, I just, I just kind of felt like, I was like, okay, I feel like I need to kind of get out of here to understand who I am, which I don't think is necessary for everybody. I don't think that that's like, I don't think you have to move away from your hometown to be able to like connect with that, but just for whatever reason. And also for family reasons and also just like who I was and whatever, I was just like, I need to like kind of branch out a little bit and figure out what's going on. But it feels, I'm sure, I'm sure anybody listening can relate with like, if it's like a, it's a lot of elbow grease to like to get out, you know? (laughs) And, and I think like, uh, yeah. And like, also oftentimes when I talk to people about Stockton and when I'm out and about like outside of California, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, like, how did you get out or whatever? And like, I, I don't, I don't feel that way. Like, I don't feel like I got out. Like, I don't feel like I escaped because it's like, this is my home. This is like where I grew up. This is where like all of my roots are. That's like, you don't want to like, why would you want to like get out of something that's like beautiful, you know? Mm. But I did feel like I needed to sort of figure out who I was like in different circumstances. Um, But then like over the course of my life and like these last 10 years, I've really figured out that like, like, (laughs) well, first of all, that you are who you are, wherever you go. And like, you can't really outrun your problems. And that a lot of the reasons that I was wanting to get out of, you know, uh, wanting to get out. And one of the reasons that I think it was valuable for me was that, you know, like when you, when you move to another place, then you're like, okay, now I know it wasn't Stockton that was the problem. Like it was that I like have trouble organizing or like, you know, (laughs) it's, it's that I like need these specific things and it's not location. That's the issue. 
Um, and so the rest of the song is sort of about me, me figuring that out. And then like, you know, coming back and trying to, trying to reconnect with, with being from here. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying a hundred percent. And I've known people that have also moved away and then they move back and I, I get it. I think for a lot of careers, it really helps you, you know, get ideas from other places mm -hmm. and kind of like bring them back. And the way I see it, it just helps us grow here in the Valley, right? And as creatives, you're bringing back a lot of those ideas that you learn from being out and about over here, right? And we have people mm -hmm. that are like trying to start their own like schools or like just different mm -hmm. things, right? That otherwise mm -hmm. wouldn't have happened if like, you know, you don't go and do that. So it, it is good for some to actually make that migration and then just, you know, make a, a loop and come back home and bring some of those ideas with them. Totally. And I think like Californians probably more than other um, Americans are like more familiar with like migration as, as a part of their identity. Like, you know, I think that that's, it's like a very Californian thing to be you know, going across borders and, you know, going to different places for like what you need in whatever season of your life. Well, I want to know a little bit more about your first performance when you decided to also have a solo career. Like, mm. that, tell me more about like, what, what was it like to be on stage on your own for the first time? Yeah, performing solo is tough. Um, but well, it was tough when I, when I first started, um, mostly because not because I'm like afraid of being alone on stage, but mostly because since my primary instrument is violin, um, like I didn't really feel like my songs transferred to me playing my songs with like me playing violin and singing. Right. Mm. So it was like, okay, if I'm going to have like a solo career, if I want to like be playing solo gigs, if I want to be doing this, like I need to figure out how to play guitar better. And so that was sort of the struggle is that I was like, okay, well, I have to like figure out how to play a new instrument to like suit these songs. Um, and, and there are like a lot of incredible violin players and fiddle players who like Bruce Molsky is one who, you know, and Laura Cortese, who like that, like the fiddle is their main instrument while they're playing the songs that they play. But I just felt like for the songs that I was writing, guitar was kind of like the right thing. And this really started happening. Like this, this really happened in, 2019 was was when I recorded my first solo EP and then like I kind of it was kind of like I was like gearing up to go gearing up to go and then like 2020 hit and so I had to like sort of recalibrate what I was doing and it's really only been in the last like year or so that I've like really actually started playing gigs solo and now I'm at the point where I feel comfortable enough on guitar that I can kind of express what I'm hearing um as I'm as I'm playing that's really good right because you had to improvise and learn something new and to learn it like mm -hmm. so quick is is really great right because mm -hmm. it, it takes years for some to <laughs> you know even get close to you know feeling like they could actually even play yeah totally and i still have times where i'm like, like i played a gig i played a gig at cast iron the other day that was like it was like me and my friends jeffy anderson and ryan blodgett who are like incredible friends of mine that we've been playing music together for forever but like i used to be in a band with them called ship of fools and i played violin in that band and like in this new iteration i'm playing guitar and like it was just really funny because i was playing guitar and i was like i know i know how to play guitar but i feel like an idiot right now like i can't like <laughs> i just like can't get my hands to do what i want them to do <laughs> but you know and i'm you sure I mean, do it. yeah <laughs> everyone goes through those moments right i feel like they're you can't find an artist out there that won't say like, yeah, there's one time where like, I just like blanked out or like, 
just yeah i don't know yeah. right just <laughs> i just didn't know this you know instrument or i, I was at lost of words right <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah totally and it's just i mean it's just more important to do it rather because you're just you know you're gonna mess up and it's just part of it and then you just gotta you just gotta keep doing it because that's more important than <laughs> that's more important <laughs> yeah than just stopping there and or even being like oh right. we know you messed up <laughs> yeah so, so out of the performances that you've had so far, and you can include any ones that you've had with uh, the bands that you've been with, but what do you consider mm. thus far like the most memorable one, the one that like mm. you remember the most? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I had a very memorable time playing at Newport Folk Festival a few years ago um, in Rhode Island. That was like, and that's like one of the biggest folk festivals um, in that. That was really incredible. But I was playing as like a side musician. Um, I was like in, so it wasn't like my my project. Um, but mm -hmm. that was that was really really incredible. And let's see. I mean, like I guess like in California, like I I had a, a real just to like keep it you know like close to home. I've had some really really wonderful and memorable gigs at Freight and Salvage in in Berkeley, which have been wonderful. And yeah, there's like, just like a lot of, uh, because I'm like sort of on the like Americana bluegrass old time circuit a little bit, like a lot of the most memorable gigs that I've done have been on the East coast where that's like a little bit, mm. that's like a little bit more happening. But I will say that like one of the most meaningful gigs I've ever done happened very recently because I uh, have been playing with Stockton Soul. Are you familiar with them? Uh, I think I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, so Stockton Soul, who um, is spearheaded by Darcy Ford James, who's incredible. They are a nonprofit, but also like a band. And they their their whole goal is that it's an outreach group to both, you know, just be like a community community group. But the main goal is to be able to spread the message of like helping kids in schools like become uh, more familiar with like Black American music. Uh, so that they're not just getting like Eurocentric music in their curriculum. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they have like a whole like presentation about the history of hip hop and like why that's important and soul and the blues and all of this. And I've been playing, I've been playing violin with them recently. And we played at the, the vigil, which is for the anniversary of the Cleveland school shooting at the children's museum. It was like really, really meaningful to me be just to, because I feel like the, these last few years I've been traveling so much that the communities I've been in have been sort of like transient and like not particularly focused on anything other than music, which is like, you know, the music community is great. That's wonderful. But like, there's just so much more to life and to be able to be part of a community event like that was it just, even though it was tra tra a tragic you know, event that happened, like it just really, it felt very grounding to be part of that and to be part of, you know, this, this fabric of all of these people that, and have a space for mourning in that way. So that was one of the most meaningful gigs I've ever done. Yeah. It, I mean, it's yet another thing that I always like to say with music and just how powerful it is with any aspect of life. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, absolutely. I, I want to actually get to talking about the podcast shows because, like I mentioned before, mm -hmm. uh, I get really excited whenever I find out that anyone in the area is involved with any podcasts. And so 
I know you do mm-hmm. two, so I want to break it down uh, with each one mm-hmm. and give each one its own time. But let, let's mm-hmm. just start with the You Are Good podcast. Like, tell us more about mm-hmm. uh, what it's about and kind of how you got involved with that podcast. Totally. So um, at the beginning of the pandemic, my husband, who's lives in, who is now a Stocktonian, um, though he is originally from Maine, uh, which is where we met. And um, so at the beginning of the pot, uh, sorry, <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, he and our mutual dear friend, Sarah Marshall, decided to start a podcast. And it was basically just like a way for them to like stay connected while they were, you know, like while, while we were in lockdown. Right. And their original idea was like talking and they, they both love movies. And so the original podcast that we started was called why our dads, which is like kind of hard to explain. Cause you're like, why are dads? What, what does that mean? <laughs> but basically like the premise was each week they watch a movie and then they talk through the themes of fatherhood and masculinity and patriarchy and, you know, just all of these ways that, you know, um, that like the relationships end up um, impacting society as a whole. And they, when they decided to start this, I wasn't playing gigs, obviously, because it was like the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, I was like teaching a lot at the time. I was teaching like Zoom lessons, but um, they asked if I would like try to edit it. And at first I was like, yeah, sure. Like I can give it a shot. Like I can help you for this like first trailer or whatever. Cause like, I didn't, I wasn't super duper knowledgeable about recording at that point. Like I, I I didn't really know what I was doing with editing and, but then, and actually like they ended up sending the first episode to like a real podcast producer, which like, you know, as they should, but then it just like, didn't totally like fit with the vibe that they were going for. And so they asked me to re-edit it. And then just from there, they're like, okay, well, you're our editor. And so I was like, great. And so over the years, um, which it's crazy now that it's been like years since we've been doing this show, feels like it was just yesterday that we started, but um, we transitioned from being why our dads and now we are called you're good. And basically it's still the same premise. They watch a movie every week and then they just like talk through the themes of feelings and, you know, like the subtext and, and all of that. Um, and it's, it's really fun. And it's, uh, yeah, I feel like if you don't even really, you don't have to watch the movie to listen to the episode. It's kind of, uh, unless you're like afraid of hearing spoilers, but <laughs> it's, it's just kind of like a nice way to like think through larger literary themes, but in not like a super stuffy way. Yeah. It's nice to be able to like dissect the movie, right. And be able to mm-hmm. extract different messages, which, uh, I mean, I took a semester of like film uh, studies mm-hmm. too at MJC. Oh, cool. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting when you actually look at a movie from a different mm-hmm. perspective, right. Versus just watching a movie and not really putting too much thought into it because there really is, you know, a lot of messages in movies that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the goal, right. Is to really get to know what they are. And once you know what they mm-hmm. are, you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's totally. different. yeah yeah and then it, like it gives you more tools for being able to you know conceptualize what's going on in your own life and like understanding metaphor and yeah i i i've i've learned a lot from working on that podcast for sure so in addition to that one the other podcast uh you're wrong about tell mm-hmm. us more about that one 
Yeah. So you're wrong about is also hosted by my friend, Sarah Marshall, and she is a journalist and a writer. And originally she started the show with um, another journalist and writer named Michael Hobbs. And they started it in, I think 2018 or so. But uh, after I had been working on You Are Good for a while, they asked me to start doing some editing for them. And eventually they decided that, uh, you know, they had like other projects going on. So Sarah decided to continue the podcast just as herself. And now she has guests on every week or every other week. And um, Michael now works on the podcast called Maintenance Phase, which is like a debunking show about, um, you know, health myths. And so uh, you're wrong about now in its current iteration. Um, I'm working as the producer and the editor, and it's sort of a debunking show uh, within the history lens. And it looks at different historical phenomenon that have happened, like, you know, things that we like sort of remember, but maybe like kind of have forgotten the details of. So for example, like some of our big episodes have been about Tanya Harding, or we just got finished with a series about Karen Carpenter. Let's see, what are some other ones uh, that we've done? You know, we like do some episodes about like the criminal justice system. And basically, basically like every episode is like, okay, like we're going to look at this thing and we're going to learn about this phenomenon through the lens of like whatever person that we're learning about. So for example, with Karen Carpenter, Karen like is a, she was a drummer and she was a singer which is like pertinent to what I'm interested in. But she also um, unfortunately died from complications of anorexia. So it was a way to learn about like how the music industry affects people's health and how, um, you know, like family systems often are like invisibly creating sort of unhealthy situations for people. Um And, you know, we have like other more lighthearted episodes that are not about stuff like that too. But um, like next, our next episode coming up is going to be about Napster and like the history of of Napster. So um, there's a lot there. (laughs) You could could do a a podcast on Napster. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, totally. So, so that's what you're wrong about is about. Well, that sounds really interesting. I mean, both podcasts, you know, sound like, you know, they, they were really great. And, you know, I think you know 2020 for the first podcast i mean i was on the same boat as mm-hmm. as you know your uh fellow podcasters there were and i i mean there was a boom in podcasting with 2020 we mm-hmm. were all in the pandemic and mm-hmm. as you know right we didn't really have much going on so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh why yeah. don't we record a show and kind of do that too but i mean mm-hmm. like i always say we try to make something good out of something that wasn't so good right so right, yeah. it was our way to to do that yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I know you recently, just a couple of months ago, you released uh, a single, uh, mm-hmm. right, with Break of Day, which uh, was really mm-hmm. great. And anyone who hasn't heard it yet, go check it out. Um, you Tell us more about, like, what, you know, the story behind it and uh, mm-hmm. how, how it came about. Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote Break of Day very early in the morning because this was, this is actually a little while ago now. I was I had like just moved to Nashville and I lived in Nashville for a while before moving. Um, My trajectory thus far has been, I lived in Stockton and then I was in Boston for a long time in new England and then um, Austin and then Nashville. And then 
some other stuff. And then now I'm back. But anyways, I had just moved to Nashville and I was kind of feeling like, okay, I have no idea what is going to happen in my life. Like <laughs> I've moved here and like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a musician and like, I'm part of this new community. And I already had a lot of friends there and things like that, but it just felt like the door was wide open. And I also was just sort of newly in my relationship with my now husband, but then, you know, like we were just dating. And so it kind of felt like, okay, like I have all of these wide open doors and yet there are also all of these things within me that make it sort of hard to sort of access the opportunities that are afforded to me, um, which I think anybody can, maybe not anybody, but like, I feel like that's often a universal thing, you know, like even if, you know, something's handed to you on a silver platter, sometimes you trip and then you drop it, you know, Um, but yeah, I just kind of felt like, okay, I like, it, it was a real stream of consciousness thing. Like I wrote it in maybe 45 minutes. Um, and most songs take me like much longer than that. Most songs are like, I, you know, I write it and then I rewrite it and I like edit and I change words and, you know, change sent, you know, sentence structure and blah, blah, blah. But this was very much just like, I'm, I'm awake. This is how I feel right now. Here's what I'm worried about. And here's the song. Well, well, yeah. 45 minutes is, uh, it's pretty great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's, it's pretty uh, talented. Um, to do it in so quick too and you know i really like when any musician says that you know this song mm-hmm. i wrote it and it's relatable because you know i think you can actually place more emotions when mm-hmm. you can relate to it right versus like oh right. no i wrote it about someone else or about this right, fictitious right. person and it's like okay it's not <laughs> it's not the same right yeah totally absolutely yeah there's actually speaking of you are good we had a an episode recently that was really really wonderful about the movie moonlight i don't know if anybody's watched it but our guest um their name is ryan ken and they were talking about how a lot of the reasons that that movie works in particular is because they're all there's a lot of specificity you know like you know sometimes when you listen to songs you're like like a, a great example in like country songs is like you're like okay, like I get it. You're drinking whiskey. I get it. That's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Like I I get it. Like I'm bored, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but then, you know, if, but if you were to write something that was like much more specific, like I was drinking like this brand or like I was drinking brandy, you know, which is like much less common. Um, But that like specificity is often the thing that can make a song or a piece of art feel universal which you wouldn't think, right? Because like, if I was like writing, you know, like whatever I can, I can see in the screen right now that you have a Jersey that says Douglas jr on it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you were to write a song with that in it, like you would think like, okay, well, my name's not Douglas. Like maybe I won't relate with that, but that's not true because like everybody has a name and like, you know what that feels like to be like associated and like to have, to have those associations. So even if it's like specific and that specific thing hasn't particularly happen in your life like that can often be the thing that like hooks you in oh yeah that's that's understandable I think you know it's good that that he mentioned that because yeah I mean if something's so generic then Mm -hmm. you you, yeah you can't really relate to it and even if you're not that person you might have heard of them or if Mm -hmm. you know them even more so right you're more like hooked Mm -hmm. into like oh what's going on (laughs) yeah Um, totally a little bit to like what you mentioned earlier, right? With that song that you'll be releasing soon, right? Like San Joaquin mm-hmm. Valley. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening to it here, it's like, 
it reminds you of home and even right. like if, if you're not here even better right if you're like outside right. of home it's like you feel like a part of you is mm-hmm. there right so i mean hopefully someone you know from like out of state who is from around here like goes to your shows and mm-hmm. you know gets to actually like talk to you and be like hey mm-hmm. I, you took me back home with that song and uh yeah yeah you know just again the circle and uh, how powerful music is right that mm-hmm. you can make that happen just through a song right yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so speaking of those shows out of state i know you're gonna have plenty of them it mm-hmm. seems like you're really busy and i'm really glad mm-hmm. i got you at a probably better time than <laughs> you know later on in the month but uh, mm-hmm. You know, what are some of those like future shows that, you know, if, if anyone listening who's maybe out of state or mm-hmm. maybe anyone in state who's planning a trip to somewhere mm-hmm. else, maybe it works for their schedule? Uh, what are some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be happening before the show, this, before this episode comes out. So that's too bad. But I am playing mm-hmm. at Valley Brew on um, <laughs> on Saturday. So if you want to come, you can go. Um, but then other than that, I have a, so with You're Wrong About, we often do a live show. So I'll play some of my songs and then we'll also do some elements of the uh, of the podcast, like all in one, one deal. And so we're doing a Valentine's special live stream show, actually, that you can stream it. I believe it's moment.co slash you're wrong about, um, but you can look at our social media to find out more information about that. And then other than that, uh, we, I think you're going to just have to sign up for my newsletter because I have a bunch of shows. I have a bunch of shows coming up, but they haven't been announced yet. So um, I don't want to like say something that like a detail gets, you know, changed or wrong. Um, But if you sign up for my newsletter, which you can do so at my website, which is www.carolynkendrick.com. That is generally the best way to stay up to date with where I'm playing. But I know for sure we're going to be, I'm going to be touring in the Midwest and the East coast and, you know, like the DC area later this year. Um, I'm going to be in Texas for a little bit. Uh, and then in March, I'm hoping actually to be doing some, some more Northern California shows. So I definitely um, make my rounds. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be great. Unfortunately, I'm not able to go this Saturday. Oh no! <laughs> I, I, I wish I was, but, uh, uh, yeah, if, if you come back, you know, there's there's plenty of great venues around here. I mean, I'm from Modesto, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a couple of uh, good ones here as well. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I think anywhere around this area would be really interesting. And, you know, we'll definitely mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that and share it on the socials when that happens. So that way people yeah. um, can find out about the shows and uh, check them out, too. And if I get to go to one, I'll be doing a live show also on our Instagram page. So uh, oh, great. That. <laughs> awesome. That's great to know. Well, one last thing uh, that I want to know too, in addition to that San Joaquin Valley song, uh, mm-hmm. what are like your future career plans that you can share? Mm, my future career plans. Well, I really just care about making as much music as possible. So I'm going to keep writing songs, keep performing. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I was talking about this with my friend the other day. They're, they're like, well, like, what do you think you're going to do next? Like, would you ever not play music? And I was like, you would have to literally kill me before I'm not playing music. Like <laughs> you could, you know, chop my hands off and I'd still find a way. 
So I'm definitely going to keep playing shows. Um, We have a ton of stuff going on at the podcast. Like that's going to keep going for sure. Um, I will, will be doing stuff with Stockton soul and yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just going to kind of go where the wind blows me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. I think that, you know, music is your life and it's great that you'll keep doing songs. And yeah, I think we're in a really great, you know, just time where you could mm-hmm. just upload music to the platforms and all of a sudden anyone, anywhere in the world could listen to you and you don't mm-hmm. even have to like go out of your way and try to find a disc, right? right and we're yeah, no longer totally. in, in those days too. So it's, it's good that you'll be able to continue to share your music there. And I'll mm-hmm. definitely have to have the Stockton Soul on here and maybe mm-hmm. even do a live show with you and them. I think okay. uh, if, we you know plan it in the future because I do want to do live shows so mm-hmm. let's but let's kind of put that in the in the future there that would be really interesting <laughs> yeah. to get some live music and I, mm-hmm. I know I was telling you before we started recording you have your like podcast like microphone set all there in place so <laughs> it's like you, <laughs> yeah you, you got you have the audio all, all good yes, to go <laughs> totally I'm ready to go <laughs> cool well Thank you so much, Carolyn. This has been really great. You know, best of luck with your career and also with uh, the podcast shows that you produce. I'm going to be tuning into those. I, I really, uh, again, enjoy hearing uh, podcasts, especially produced mm-hmm. by someone also here from the 209. So, yeah, awesome. thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's great to meet you. Thank you again to Carolyn for being on the 209 journey tonight. It was really interesting hearing more about how her music career got started and also the fact that she produces those two podcasts, which again, if you haven't heard them yet, I invite you to go do so. Again, it's You're Wrong About Podcast and also the You Are Good Podcast. Uh, Check them out wherever you listen to podcasts and go ahead and give them a follow as well wherever uh, you get your podcasts. Also, if you want to follow Carolyn, just another reminder, you can follow her website carolynkendrick.com and also you can find her on social media on instagram carolyn v kendrick and on twitter care kendrick is how you can follow her there also be sure to follow her on spotify or anywhere else you listen to music because as i've said in the past artists get paid on there every time you play their music and if you follow them if you download their songs as well it really helps them out a lot and Unfortunately, from what I hear, the payments aren't all that great. I mean, they are improving. They're hopefully going to be increasing how much they get paid on all these different streaming apps. But uh, it is a work in progress. But anything helps. So please go ahead and uh, listen to her songs. Put them on your playlists. Uh, There's a lot of great ones there. And I'll definitely be posting whenever she publishes her song, San Joaquin Valley. So shout out to her for giving us like a little quick preview there of that song because it's really awesome whenever people write about their hometowns and as someone here from the 209 and many of you listening as well I know it's really awesome to be able to hear music that was made by our local artists here that is also in reference to anywhere they grew up here in the valley because there's just so many great things to talk about that don't always get referenced in music and movies, etc. And to have someone do that is really cool. And so looking forward to that. And I'm sure, you know, she'll be 
singing that song here in the Central Valley when she comes by and, and does a, a tour here in Northern California. And speaking of sneak previews, uh, just so everyone knows, uh, my next guest will be next Thursday. As I mentioned before, we have new episodes now coming out every Thursday morning. Uh, but my next guest will actually be a theater and media director. It'll be really awesome to hear all her stories she has about working in different theatrical experiences and also hear her story about how she got there. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with everyone. And so if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please do so. You can subscribe to the show wherever you're listening, whether it's directly through one of the many podcast apps out there, or if you're listening on YouTube, then please subscribe on YouTube. It would really mean a lot, and it would help you find out every time that a new episode is posted. Also, follow the social media pages, because that is another way to find out when new shows are there. And as I mentioned before, I am going to be doing live shows. The Instagram page is growing by the day, and I've mentioned it. I'll keep mentioning it every time. I really appreciate all the support that y'all have given me on that page. And through your listens, I've seen more episodes get more listens over time. And I, I really greatly appreciate that. And it just motivates me to continue to grow the podcast, get more content out there, do some live shows, which uh, as y'all heard earlier, I do have some plans in mind for those. And it's just a matter of continuing to grow that YouTube page because I do want to do some that will be only on YouTube. Um, there might be some that are on Facebook as well, but I do want to grow the YouTube page uh, quite a bit because I have interesting plans there to create video content on things going on in the 209, on businesses, etc. So please uh, check that out whenever you get a chance. Again, that's the 209 journey on YouTube. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the show. And you'll hear me next Thursday here on the 209 Journey Podcast. <laughs>